Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, Homer and Bart, the audio presentation you are about to enjoy discusses casino gambling. Please do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose or need to pay bills. The past performances of our host is not indicative of anyone's future results. If you feel you may have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com and we will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything our host shares during this podcast is based on factual events. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler, incognito, enigmatic, charismatic, and so very happy to be joining you once again to host episode 80 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If this is your first time or your next time, thank you very much for being here. I will attempt to earn the privilege of your time today. A quick item from the Casino Combat Galaxy before we get started, actually... It's kind of three items all related to YouTube, four items all related to YouTube. YouTube is the big thing going on in the Casino Combat Galaxy this week for some reason. First up, a YouTube listener messaged us this week to let me know that in some states, picking up someone else's payout change slip from a slot payment kiosk is actually a crime. If you've listened for a while, you've heard me talk about the fact that many casinos in the United States have used the pandemic change shortage, alleged change shortage, as a reason to stop giving out change when you insert a slot machine payout ticket into a bill changer. Used to be the change would come out first, then the paper money. Now, paper money comes out, there's a pause, and a receipt is printed, and that receipt can be taken to the cage and paid out for the change portion of the payout. Many people don't know about this. Many people do know about it, but don't want to wait in line to get a small amount of change, so these slips end up being littered. They are on the top of the kiosk. They are on the floor. They are hanging out of the machine. I'm not seeking these out. I'm not walking laps around the casino looking for them, but if I see them when I'm cashing a a slot ticket of my own or when I'm walking by a kiosk, I pick them up. I put them in my pocket, and when I go to the cage later, I take them to the cage and I get the payout. I've never heard of that being against the law. But as I also always say, I don't know everything about gambling. I just want to learn everything about gambling. So this may very well be true. I've seen this process, as I've described it, done by a number of people in Las Vegas, in Atlantic City, and at my home casino. No one is being sneaky about it. No one is acting like they're hiding anything. And no one's ever said anything about it to anyone in my presence. That said, if you are concerned, check with the laws that apply where you gamble. I don't want anybody getting arrested over picking up a few pennies. If you have additional information on this topic, please, by all means, send an email to trg at casinocombat.com and contribute to my education. While we're on the topic of the Casino Combat YouTube channel, which is where that message came from, our squad Casino Combat Squad is active on a variety of social media platforms in addition to YouTube. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links are available at the top of the CasinoCombat.com website. Also, on the YouTube channel, there is a playlist called Boot Camp. Camp is spelled with a K, of course. This playlist is a set of short lessons about the core concepts. You can learn the fundamentals of good casino gambling in less than 90 minutes with that playlist. Now, of course, since I am a podcast host, I am required at 
this point, not sure if it's a law or a statute, but I'm required at this point to say something like, if you see any of our accounts on social media, we would really appreciate any extra likes, shares, stars, or reviews that you might be able to spare. If you have them to donate, we would appreciate the donation. Okay, not required by law or statute, however, is this. Thank you to all of you who have done exactly that. We see it. I appreciate it. You are helping grow the squad. I appreciate your efforts in that area, and that is not required by law or statute. That is just required by my sense of gratitude. More big news from the YouTube space at this point. On February 21st at 7 p.m. Central Time, I will be appearing live on the YouTube channel, Same Bet. I'll be on as a guest. I'll be talking, taking questions from the host. I'll be talking about the podcast. I'll be taking questions from his audience as well. I am thrilled to have been asked, and so in honor of this first ever interview request, I am going to give up a little bit of my anonymity. I am going to prove that while I may have a voice made for podcasting, I also have a face made for podcasting, and I am going to join the program via video chat. This should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I really appreciate being asked. All right, so what is the battle plan for episode 80? What are we going to talk about today? First, I received a couple of questions this past week. Now, I received a question and I received a statement. And we're going to kind of talk about both of those by opening the, the episode with questions my sons ask segment. And we'll talk about those items. Then I'm going to do a moment of casino wisdom and introduce you to a new casino wisdom that has been on my mind a great deal these past few weeks. I did not travel last week, so there will not be a travel segment. But I did do a bunch of gambling, so we will have a results segment and talk about what happened past week from a gambling point of view. In many ways, in that segment, I'm going to show you how the core concepts, really all of what we now call casino combat, was invented and how I most often used it before the pandemic. This is a pandemic craziness project that I took on and we're going to go back now to before that and see how this got invented in its most detailed fashion and how I used to use it most of the time before the pandemic occurred. Finally, we will meet up in the virtual VIP lounge for a story, but it is a rather quick, simple story from a much simpler time and I'm going to just use it as a jumping off point for discussing some of the things that that a lot of beginning gamblers don't understand and that some advanced gamblers don't understand they can sometimes use to their advantage. So quick story and then some teach around that story that I think will be useful for both beginning gamblers and advanced gamblers. In other words, in the virtual VIP lounge, it's a short story to set up the story and then in true TRG fashion, once we've told the story, then we'll see what we can learn from that story about what happened to Mrs. TRG and myself many, many years ago. So there we go. Four segments today. The first one is questions my sons ask, so let's get started with that right now. What? What? My sons ask questions about gambling, listeners ask questions about gambling, sometimes people in real life ask me questions about gambling. This week I received two questions, as well, as I said, one's more of a, a long statement, and I'll get to that in a minute, but first, listener GTO1968 writes, Hi TRG, I've always enjoyed going to casinos, but I've mostly been a take-what-you-are-going-to-lose slot player playing for entertainment. I emailed you and read your free ebook, Casino Combat Slot Tactics, and I've won some money. And that has encouraged me to go to casinos a little more often. I'm ready to expand to blackjack or maybe craps, but I'm really finding that a lot to process when I watch other people play. Why don't you talk more often about playing other games? I'm at episode 38, by the way, so if I'm just behind, let me know what episodes I should listen to. I really appreciate you taking the time to do the podcast every week, and I really enjoy all the stories. Thanks again. Okay, that's a very nice note. 
1968 and I have emailed back and forth a little bit on this. I think I've got him up to speed on this, but I wanted to talk through my answers to him with all of you. I'm sure this happened to many of you, but growing up, I had a lot of teachers who said, there's no such thing as a stupid question, and if you have a question, someone else probably has the same one. So I like to bring answers to these questions to all of you on that assumption that some of you may have some of the same questions, concerns, that kind of thing. And for any of you listening who are not aware of the slot strategy ebook, it's free. It's how Mrs. TRG and I play slots. It's how we make money playing slots with our own money pretty much every month. You can download a copy directly from the Casino Combat website. It's in the Fred section. You don't need to send emails anymore with code words. We've, we've managed to grow up a little bit and not make you do that anymore. It's always good to hear from someone else who has success with that process. And if you're not familiar with it, that's where you can go get it. As for the rest of the question, I certainly understand that blackjack and craps tables can be a bit intimidating. I personally originally decided to play blackjack because it had a well-defined strategy and offered about the smallest house advantage possible, and that was true even if you didn't count cards. But truthfully, to get that small house advantage, you have to play using that well-defined strategy that I liked, and that can be a lot to absorb. Personally, I like blackjack because splits, doubles, and blackjack can catch you up if you're behind and quickly increase your wins if you're ahead. Okay, enough blackjack hype. GTO makes a valid point. I don't mention often enough that my wagering systems, money management, and positive and exit points can be used with any wager that is close to 50-50. I said that a number of times at the very beginning. I don't repeat it often enough now, I'm sure. So at Baccarat, pick one of the two bets, player or bank, make it consistently, move your wagers up and down using one of my wagering systems, and what I talked about with those wagering systems should work just fine over the course of a month absolutely should happen. On a roulette table, you can either use odd or even, black or red, or the half, top half, bottom half of the board wagers, and the process should once again work just fine. I have beaten each of those games and walked away with a profit using TRG Wagering System 1, or even better, always be grinding. But TRG Wagering System 1, if you're looking for simplicity, and you're looking for a low house advantage, and now I'm completely off script. But if you're looking for all of that, skip always be grinding. Start with DRG Wagering System 1. Get comfortable with that, particularly if you have plenty of tables available. Heck, with that one, you can try TRG Wagering System 1 at Baccarat. And if you lose three hands in a row, you can go to Roulette and bet on black and, and repeat the process there and try to catch up for the Baccarat. You can have two tools in your toolbox if that's what you want to do. I don't find that particularly interesting. That is not where I find the most fun or where I find the most challenge. I don't find the tier points and comps to be better at roulette or baccarat than they are at blackjack. So I don't see much advantage of that, but that's just me. I certainly understand from the point of view of GTO how it could be easier to start with one of those games. The core concept statement is learn a wager with a small house advantage, then have a proper bankroll and apply a wagering system with progressive and regressive techniques. You can do that with any of these games. If blackjack and craps are more than you want to attempt right now, any of those other wagers I just talked about will work just fine. As an added benefit, you can attack any of those games with a table buy-in of just seven units if that's what you want to do. Those extra three units that I put on when I'm going to a blackjack table are so that if I get to the very last bet and I need to go split or double, I will have the extra money to do that. You are never going to have that surprise at roulette or baccarat where you make bet seven and then you've got to add more money. 
So you could do it with just seven units. Having said that, I remain convinced that being able to walk away from a gambling situation to get out of that mental gambling mindset, being able to do that with three bets in front of you is a valuable gambling discipline builder. So you may still want to take 10 and walk when you have three left, but it's not a requirement. There you go, GTO 1968. Look for other wagers that have a small house advantage that look fun or manageable to you. If you need to know the house advantage on a specific wager that I haven't mentioned, the excellent website wizardofodds.com is my go-to source anytime I need to answer a question about house odds or house advantage. Email us and let us know how things go for you at the tables once you make that next step. Our next email this week is one I've expected from the beginning. And as I said, it's it's not really a question. It's more a statement or a directive. That's a good word, a directive. So the directive I got from J. Thomas, um, and the dot was actually a dot. It wasn't the word dot. Uh, but he wrote to let me know this. Very polite person. Hello, Mr. Gambler. I found your podcast somewhat by accident, and I feel that as a good Christian man, I should share with you that what you are doing is wrong. Not only is what you are doing wrong, but you are encouraging other people to do something that is wrong as well. In 2 Theologians 3.10-3.12, through the Bible stresses that a Christian should earn his living by honest work and effort, and this would exclude relying on games of chance. There are numerous other examples in the Bible of why gambling is wrong, and I'd be happy to discuss those with you further if you would like. God bless, and please reconsider your actions. So here we go. JT, I hope it's all right if I call you JT. Please, going forward, call me TRG. If I was really named the Ramblin' Gambler, Mr. Gambler would be my dad or my grandfather. Also, I understand that you are less than thrilled that I emailed to tell you that I would respond to your email as part of the podcast, that I wasn't going to have an email discussion. But here's the thing. I've been expecting a complaint like this for some time, and I suspect that some of my listeners have or will need to respond at some point to a similar comment from someone they know or meet. So the answer needs to be here. The answer doesn't need to be in our emails. Fun fact, I grew up in a good Christian family, an amazing Christian family. I have preached my share of sermons in my life. I have brought people to the church in my life. I even considered becoming a preacher at one point, but never heard from God that he wanted me to do that. The point of saying all that is is not to show that I'm a blah, 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 blah. The point is, I know my way around a Bible verse. My first thought is that being good at the game of casino gambling is really hard work. Like any hard work, there are plenty of enjoyable moments, but it is hard work. It is effort. All those things from Second Theologians, is it's there. You may not see it from the outside, but trust me, from the inside, it's there. And as far as the honesty part goes, I don't cheat. I play honesty. I have mentioned sometimes I go as far as possible into the gray area, but I feel I play honestly. I also clearly label for my listeners those gray areas, and others can be successful playing a fully, air quotes, honest game if they choose not to go as far into the gray areas as I do. As for not relying on chance, if the same general result occurs month after month after month, is it chance or is it skill? Beyond that, I've run various businesses over the years, and I'm of the opinion that income often occurs as the result of random things happening that are beneficial to the company. It is not all just hard work. JT, please allow me to offer a bit of scripture of my own. Acts 3 
verses 1 through 26. And I am not going to read all the verses. Let me set the stage, and then we will get to the relevant part. This is not going to be church, but we do need some context here for this response. In this part of Acts, the apostle Judas has died and needs to be replaced. The remaining apostles are trying to decide if Justin or Matthias should become the 12th leader of the new church. Certainly, that seems like a tremendous honor, a selection that will be based on hard work, devotion, piety, and a variety of other traits. So verses 1 through, 1 through 25 of Acts 3 lay out all of this, explain all of this, lay out why these two individuals are being considered, and then verse 26 tells us how the selection was eventually made. I quote Acts 3 verse 26, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the other 11 apostles. Now, you could be asking, what exactly are these lots that were being cast? I looked that up many, many years ago when I was struggling with the uh, information before us today. I looked it up again for today's episode. Lots were usually dice or coins, some tied colored sticks or other tokens, thrown to determine a random outcome. If gambling is something Christians shouldn't do, why did the apostles gamble to determine who should gain a position in their ranks? I'm not a preacher. I'm not a regular churchgoer. I'm comfortable with my choices as it relates to what a good person should do. If that doesn't work for someone else, that's fine too. I rarely tell anyone they should gamble. I tell people how to be good at gambling if it is something they decide to do. Woosa. Okay. Having said all that, JT, I do appreciate your concern. I appreciate the time you put into your email, and I understand that you're coming from a good place. As far as the podcast is concerned, I must politely decline your request. I'm going to continue until it's time to stop. I always say at the end of each episode, love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. JT, please do that. Please share with others that agree with your point of view how problematic this podcast is. Encourage them to listen to it as well as to see so that they can see the error of my ways. Encourage people to come join you in listening to my podcast and talk about why I'm wrong. I won't mind at all. I promise. <laughs> Up next, folks, a moment of casino wisdom. Casino wisdoms combine a knowledge of or information about how casinos work with an action to be taken in certain situations. I have a new casino wisdom for you today that is just a little bit different. It combines a knowledge of how gamblers normally act in casinos with an action to be taken in almost every casino or gambling situation. So here's casino wisdom number 90. Casino wisdom number 90 teaches us always, above all, practice patience. I'll get to casino specifics in a minute, but first, I want to give you some examples of experts that have taught us to be patient. The first experts I want to point us toward would be the band Guns N' Roses. They did an entire song about having patience. They taught us to take it slow and things will work out fine. All we need is just a little patience. Boy, it is so hard not to sing that and I'm not a good singer. The other experts I want to point you to lived long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. If we look to Star Wars over and over, a Jedi will look at another Jedi usually or sometimes another person or character or alien and say, I advise patience or I recommend patience. 
In the early Star Wars movies, Qui-Gon tells Watto, who's not a Jedi, to be patient. Obi-Wan tells Anakin to be patient. Anakin tells Obi-Wan to be patient. And even the Emperor tells Darth Vader to be patient. And I put those references there for a reason, and I'll explain the reason why in just a minute. Let's get to the knowledge or information part of this. For many people, places where they can gamble are limited. And as a result, when they arrive somewhere that allows them to gamble, they rush to the opportunity. And I'll never forget, it's as clear in my mind as the moment that it happened, I will never forget the first blackjack I ever played. I was at the Imperial Palace in Las Vegas. It's not there anymore. It's now called The Link. And I bought in to a $2 minimum game with $20. See, there's those 10 units again, even back then. And this table was very close to the desk where you would check into the hotel. And there was a great big long line of people waiting to check in right behind the, this set of blackjack tables. It's August. It's over 100 degrees in Las Vegas. And a man in a very heavy trench coat is pushing a suitcase and waiting in line to check in. And he buys in at the table that I'm at with $200 and quickly lost it betting $50 a hand while pushing his suitcase forward in line. There I sit, playing really for the first time ever, and I'm worried about losing my $2 and he's betting $50 a hand. And as he lost that last $50, he looked at me and said, damn, down $200 and I haven't even checked in yet. Now I was naive enough to be stunned that someone could lose that amount of money so quickly. This man was not patient. He was in Las Vegas, and even waiting in line to check in, he was going to gamble. Please take note of his results and how that turned out. It's understandable. Unless you literally live next door to a casino, there is some amount of travel and planning involved in going gambling. You drive or fly several hours. Maybe you made plans to take a friend with you or meet people at the casino. You are there to gamble. Let's gamble. That's human nature. But it's not helpful to success. Players rush to their game of choice and jump right into the game. If their game of choice isn't available, they will find another game. It is human nature to want to be in the action in a casino for regular gamblers. It is an aspect of human nature that gets players in trouble in my observation. In my observation? By my observation. I see people screw this part up a lot. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. My thought is you want to defeat this aspect of human nature if your goal is gambling for a profit. Think for a moment about all the things we've talked about. Planning a visit around your promotion, selecting a wager or wagers with a small house advantage, calculating a bankroll that is sized correctly for that wager, having a wagering system that involves progressive and regressive techniques, using positive and negative exit points. After you've done all that excellent preparation, why would you rush to the nearest table and start playing? You shouldn't. You want to be patient. Observe who else is playing. If we're going to play craps, see if a point has been established. Take a look at how much money has been wagered. A lot of money on the layout often indicates that someone has been shooting for a long time. If that's the case, there is a higher probability that a 7 will be thrown soon. There's no reason to rush to put money into action. Be patient. Wait for the next shooter. Then get into the game. If you are planning to play blackjack, evaluate the table before you sit down. Are the other players happy and upbeat? with a reasonable amount of chips in front of them, or do they look angry? If they are angry and almost out of chips, maybe a different table would be a better choice. What are the table rules? Does blackjack play three to two or six to five? If a table pays six to five, you know I recommend finding another table. How much of the shoe is left? If there are only a few hands remaining and everything else looks to be right, sit down, but wait, be patient. Wait until after the end of the shoe before entering the game. 
You have no idea what's going on with those cards. Why get in and make a couple wagers and then have to start over in a new shoe? If you're in a game and things are not going your way, you may be tempted to go off your wagering plan. You have that plan for a reason. Be patient and stick to the plan. Don't make some big bet to try to catch up if that's not what your plan said to do, if that's not what you laid out sitting at your desk or couch or kitchen table before you went to the casino. In Casino Fun 101, which is linked in the TRG Recommends section of the Casino Combat website, in Casino Fun 101, Charlie Frere talks about this very idea. He recommends walking around the casino, understanding the layout, seeing what games and features are offered, and then starting into your game gambling plan. For myself, even at a casino I know as well as my local casino, I like to start with a beverage and some reading or note-taking or talking with friends before I enter a game. I want to practice that patience and discipline. I have an online friend who gambles every day. He gets to the casino, orders a cup of coffee, sits down, and reads a chapter in a book before going to the craps table. I was so fun. It was so fun. I was so thrilled to find someone that had a similar process, a similar habit. Being good at the game of casino gambling requires discipline and self-control. Being at a casino and being patient enough not to gamble immediately strengthens your discipline and self-control. I started this segment with some examples of pop culture recommendations to be patient. Those are cues that I've taught myself to use over the years as a reminder of this wisdom, always above all practice patience. If I'm walking through a casino and the first several blackjack tables I see are six to five, this might go through my mind. If I walk up to a three to two blackjack table with just a few cards remaining before the cards will be shuffled, I might spontaneously think of this. Patience. Use the force. Think. You should certainly find your own mental tricks, your own prompts to help you remember to be patient. To help you remember casino wisdom number 90. Maybe it's a drink at the bar, or coffee in a book, or walking around the casino floor. Maybe it's something from pop culture. But if you intend to gamble for profit and be good at the game of casino gambling, you will need casino wisdom number 90. You will need to always, above all else, practice patience. All right. I did zero traveling last week. I told you that when the episode started. I did plenty of gambling, so we will have a results segment next. I started this podcast to teach the idea that by applying the core concepts properly, you could live a casino lifestyle and make money. I used the term side hustle in early episodes a great deal. And I've been accused of being a fraud for saying that because everyone knows that that isn't possible. And of course, that was said by people who refused to listen to the podcast. I think I've demonstrated that the casino lifestyle part is possible. We've been comped plenty of rooms, meals, and shows and traveled all over North America doing exactly what I describe in this podcast. I've shown you that there's cash money to be made by being good at gambling and that by being good at gambling, not only will you have the cash money, but you will have the lifestyle. I think I've shown that all that's possible. That said, in many ways, last week was the first time doing this podcast that I did just pure, straightforward casino combat in the truest sense of that term, in the way that this process was invented. And I understand that many people are still living in a pandemic. I'm very empathetic to that. I'm particularly aware that for those working in healthcare, the pandemic is a very, very real, very ongoing event. But in my community, Things are pretty much back to normal. My life is busy. I don't have time to travel every week. I have commitments to customers and friends. But Casino Wisdom number 81, ABC, Always Be Casinoing, still applies. 
Last week, I was at my local full-service casino every day, Monday through Friday. And one day, I also stopped at the horse track with the slot machines for lunch and free play on my way from a client to my local casino. Very much ABC, always be casinoing. Every day at my local casino, I was given some type of comp in addition to my parking comp. Every day, I got a gift, gift cards, cash, free slot play, free bet, something. Sometimes more than one of those things happened during a visit. Each visit, I played a combination of craps and blackjack. At the craps table, I continue to refine my wagering approach. At the blackjack tables, I use a combination of Always Be Grinding and the Meta Martingale. For example, Monday, I used six units to win six units at the craps table. Went to a blackjack table, quickly won enough hands to have a one day's pay of total profit. And I was out the door. Out the door. Done. Wrapped up for the day. Tuesday, Wednesday, made money. Thursday, I lost almost six units at the craps table, hanging out with Gabriel. Then lost seven units at the first blackjack table I selected. So I took a break, strolled around the casino, talked to some friends, found a table, a blackjack table where Ramundo was playing. And doubled my unit size to apply the Mega Martingale strategy since I was down 13 units for the day already. I quickly won back my 13 units from the first two tables. I put those 13 units aside. I cut my play stack in half and put half of it aside. That was money I was not going to touch at that point. I returned to my original wager size and I played until I had won a day's pay. Actually won a little more than a day's pay that day when it was all said and done. I went to the casino every day like it was a job. Every day I left with a day's pay or more in addition to the free stuff I was given. Every day I was accountable to Mrs. TRG and told her how much I'd won and where I put the money. It went into a bank account or a safe or paid a bill. Over the course of the week, I won almost exactly six days pay. I earned a bunch of tier credits and my local casino put plenty of tax-free imaginary free money in my account for me to spend as I wish. I didn't have any big wins. I just went to the casino every day and hit a single and had the discipline to leave when I won a small set amount. As a result, this past week, casino gambling paid me like it was a regular job. That is a great casino combat week, and that is how this was all created. That is why this was all created. And I'm sorry, that's not super fun in the sense of, I don't have any interesting characters to tell you about. I don't have any super fun stories to share with you. I didn't run into any athletes. I didn't run into any celebrities. Nobody said something stupid. I just went to work and did my job and made my money. And you can do that with Casino Combat too. And that's why this podcast exists. And that's why I come on here and talk to you every time we have a chance to get together. Okay. All right. I suspect that after the bottle pops, the virtual VIP lounge will be open. Let's go do sips and stories. A little bit of the bubbly. Yep. Look at that. Just like that, the virtual VIP lounge is open. As always, we have the best virtual everything. Wherever you are, you can join me in a virtual drink. You can join me in a virtual drink while you are driving down the road. You can join me for a virtual drink while you are working out. And if possible, press pause and pour something you enjoy. That's what VIP lounges are for, hanging out with casino friends and telling casino stories. I am enjoying a short pour of Crown Royal Peach Canadian Whiskey today, one of my favorites. Our story for this episode is very quick, and since it's so quick, I thought I would use it as a prompt to talk about what I think is an often overlooked skill aspect of casino gambling. Let's do the story part first. You may recall that in an early episode, I talked about the first time I figured out how to beat a broken game of blackjack at the Casino Royale Casino in Las Vegas. A couple of years after that occurred, 
Mrs. TRG and I were back in Las Vegas on vacation, and we returned to the Casino Royale to see if we could still take advantage of a broken game. We discovered that the casino had been expanded and now had more table games available and that they had done away with single-deck blackjack with eight wagering positions. The casino was now dealing eight-deck shoe games with six gambling positions. Not a broken game. Not a game we could necessarily take advantage of because of a mistake in their process or technique. The table limits were still very low compared to the rest of the strip at the time, and we were happy to sit down and play. We started winning pretty consistently, and we started hiding $1 white chips and $5 red chips whenever we could. Anytime we would win a few hands, we would wait until the dealer wasn't looking and put some chips into the pockets of the shorts we were wearing, or Mrs. TRG would put some chips in her purse. This went on for several hours. Young as we were, we were convinced that we were being very, very clever, and, and we were getting away with something. Eventually, we lost the chips we started with, and we stood up to leave, and honestly, our shorts looked like chipmunk cheeks because of all the chips we'd hidden away. The dealer said, can I color those chips up for you? I need them. And we thought we were in trouble. We thought we were busted. It took us several minutes to kind of sheepishly go, embarrassingly go through all of our various pockets and Mrs. TRG's purse and pull out all these red and white chips that we thought we'd hidden away so the dealer wouldn't know. And now these chips were all sorted out by the dealer because they're just a mess all over the table. And he sorts them out, does his job, does it well, and, and gives us larger denomination chips that we can go cash in. And back at our hotel room, we laughed about getting caught. It was only on a future trip that we started to understand that we hadn't gotten caught, we hadn't done anything wrong, and that the house only cared about those chips for other reasons. They didn't care that we had them. They didn't care that we had won. They had other reasons for wanting those chips back. So with the story out of the way, let's talk for just a minute about the process of turning small chips used to make wagers into large chips for walking around the casino or to the cage. Let's talk about why the house wants those chips back. This process is called coloring up. We take chips of a lower denomination and they are turned into chips colored for a larger denomination. They are colored up. A dealer takes all the small chips, stacks them, usually in stacks of $100 in value, and then calls the pit boss or floor person over to confirm that they have counted everything out correctly, and then they hand out the larger denomination chips. From the house's point of view, this serves a couple of purposes. First of all, players normally play with one, five, or $25 chips. Those chips are won and lost constantly during a game. If players keep walking away with those chips, gradually throughout the casino, one table's supply of chips will be too small, and another table will have so many that they won't all fit in the rack. Both of those conditions require someone from security to bring more chips down or to come down and take chips away. That requires a dealer, a security person, and a floor person to stop the game, verify everything, write everything down, and handle the accounting. The house wants players playing, not watching accounting. The house also wants to record as accurately as possible what each player won or lost. You are just making things more difficult for the casino employees if you walk away with a large amount of small denomination chips. Wait for a break in the action, push your chips to the middle of the table, and say, I'd like to color up. The next note. My next note is that there is nothing wrong with asking for chips smaller than the largest possible denomination your chips could be turned into. An excellent illustration of that occurred last week when I had used the Meta Martingale strategy to win back the amount lost at two tables plus a day's pay. The buy-in plus all the chips won was more than $1,000. 
The dealer was happy to give me two purple $500 chips instead of a single $1,000 orange chip when I asked. She may have thought I wanted two smaller chips, two purple chips instead of one orange, so that I could buy into other games and only buy in for $500. But I knew that if I took the orange chip to the cage, they were going to ask me which table I won the chip at, and they were going to call the pit to verify that I had, in fact, won the orange chip. Purple chips don't require a phone call. Purple chips just get cashed. I didn't want to go through the extra steps, the extra time of waiting for verification. My final note is that while you can't really get away with hiding a bunch of small denomination chips, you can get away with hiding some chips while coloring up others. You can use a combination of all of this to disguise from the casino how much you have really won. And here's how you can do this. There are other ways, but here's the easiest way to do this. Very common for players to leave a table game for a few minutes to visit the bathroom or to make a phone call. And they'll often leave their chips on the table while they do this. No big deal. Happens all the time. Seems crazy. People leave thousands of dollars just lying on the table and walk away. But it's also common for players to pick up most of their chips for safety and only leave a few chips on the table to show they're coming back. You can do this. This is a great opportunity to leave some chips in your pocket when you return, right? So you leave and you've got $300 in green chips. When you come back, you only put $200 in green chips on the table. The dealers, the cameras, the house, they see chips going in a pocket, chips going out of a pocket. Nobody pays attention to the finer details and there's no reason why they should. Most of the time, the dealer doesn't realize that you didn't put everything back on the table. And if they do realize it's none of their business and they're not going to say anything. Now, when you color up, the floor person doesn't have an accurate count of your results. They, they're going to enter into the computer what you colored up. You can make wins look like losses using this technique. You can hide some of your wins doing this. If you gamble and win at a casino you visit regularly, you can accomplish something similar by not cashing in all of the chips at the cage. Take that example from last week once again. I could have taken one of the purple chips and whatever else was left over to the cage and turned them into cash and kept the other purple chip in my vest pocket to start the process again during the next visit. If you gamble for larger stakes, this isn't going to work. Just throw all that part out the window if you gamble for really large money. If you win $10,000 getting 10 orange $1,000 chips instead of two gray $5,000 chips isn't going to matter. Someone is going to keep track of where those chips went and who had them regardless of any of these other things that you might try to do. You can't stuff your short pockets full of $5 chips until they look like chipmunk chips and walk away. And it would be rude to do that anyway. But you can manage how you are colored up at the table for your own benefit, and you can stash away some chips in a variety of ways to change the data that gets recorded about you. You should color up. It's the right thing to do. It makes everybody's life easier, but thinking about how you want to color up is an advanced technique. Please, tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.